Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Lots to get into this week. It was a disappointing return to interinsular competition for Guernsey's under-18s, who went down 3-1 in the Centenary Marathi at St Peter in Jersey. Reaction from their coach, Angus Mackay, coming up. When you look at the game and how the players played, the amount of effort and determination and commitment they gave was definitely what you would expect from a Marathi. We'll also look back on a brilliant result for Guernsey FC, who got revenge over Marlow at Footslane. 17-year-old keeper Lucas Hanley tells us about making his Footslane debut in that one and how he's finding life with Guernsey FC so far. It's a good commitment because I, I know I'm guaranteed football and I know I'm playing every week and the boys are really good. Um, so I, I feel like I've built quite strong relationships even with the short time I've been with them. Um, and obviously, it's kind of a blessing because I get to go on holidays to go and do pretty much every week now. So I can't really complain about that side of it. All that coming up, plus the latest from the Prio League. Uh, I'm Tony Kerr. And as ever, alongside me is Rob Batiste. Hello, Tony. Great to see you, Rob. Um, we should start with GFC, I think, because that was the highlight of the weekend for sure. The Green Lions scored in the dying moments of both halves to win 2-0 against the side who'd beaten them 6-0 a little earlier on in the season. Goals from Will Fazakli and Ross Allen with a cracking free kick sent them up to 14th in the Isthmian South Central. Six points clear of Sutton Common Rovers in the relegation playoff spot, uh, with four games, of course, still in hand on most of the teams below them and above, for that matter. Um, their best result of the season, Rob? Certainly, yeah, I suppose it must be. Um, I was really impressed by much of the performance. I thought it was a period in the first half when they were starting to come under the cosh a bit and uh, Marlow was starting to look quite dangerous. Lucas Hanley better make a couple of decent blocks, um, which he did very, very well. Very impressive performance from the young lad. But our defensive setup was so, so good. Uh, midfield cover was excellent. Effort all around was superb. The game management, I thought, was really, really good. And then, of course, to get that goal in stoppage time, well, really, that sort of um, put the cherry on the cake as far as the first half went. Second half, I thought we were very, very comfortable. Worked very, had to work very hard, of course. But I thought the, you know, the way we played was very, very mature, and um, shows that, that you know the team is learning under the coaching and. Um, and is, is going places. When Guernsey FC were well beaten away, they looked incredibly dangerous going forward. We didn't perhaps see as much of that on Saturday, but as you say, you know, that's probably as much to do with, uh, with how GFC managed the game. They're up to, well, they're in third in the form table um, in Isthmian South Central. It's quite a turnaround, isn't it? Yeah, it helps having possibly, I can't believe, they're probably a better centre-back, out-and-out ball-winning centre-back than Jacob Fallows at the moment. He was superb on Saturday the best game I've ever seen him play winning it helps when you've got somebody in the in the middle of the park there who you know particularly at corners and free kicks who can win so so much aerial ball he's absolutely fantastic presence in that respect and with old Doddy the skipper playing alongside him actually marshalling everything um, you know it's, it's a pretty formidable um, defensive unit those two and um, and fair play to the fullbacks as well Ben Latok and Keanu Marsh they were you know they were working well in tandem with with the, the two central defenders so I thought it was a excellent performance and of course the other thing I left struck me as I left the ground having seen Ross score that's absolutely marvellous free kick near the end to seal it all was surely there is not a better attacking player in the whole of the Isthmian League than Ross Allen. I, I refuse to believe that there is. I mean, we are so, so lucky to have him. 
Yeah. I mean, he, he was absolutely brilliant the whole game. 10 goals in his last 10 for Ross, 17 and 20 overall this season. I mean, he was so combative on Saturday. Um, he was battling for everything. He took a couple of knocks and got sort of straight back up. And, and as you say, finished it off with that fantastic free kick. And I think Tony Vance had shouted to him that the keeper was a bit weaker on his, uh, to his left-hand side. And that's where Ross put it. And, uh, and the keeper did get a, a pretty strong um, palm to it, but sort of palmed it into the side netting. So Ross was straight over to him uh, to, to thank him for that bit of input. But I mean, we probably take Ross's goals for granted. You know, he's basically a goal a game this season. He's just turned 35. Yeah. We've seen a lot of decent strikers come to Footslane over the years with various Isman sides. But I haven't seen one who is better than Ross. You know, we are so lucky to have him. The fact he's here, if he'd been playing in the UK, playing for uh, an Isman side, he would have been snapped up a long, long, long time ago to be playing at a level far, far higher than he is. So, you know, we must be very grateful for that and uh, make sure we continue to rip wrap him up in cotton wool <laughs> because, I say, he's such an important cog in the whole team. It's just not just his goals. It's just the way he can beat a man still. He's, the, the, the positions he takes up, you know, the way he holds the ball up, he just creates a lot of time for others around him by that, that natural skill he's got, you know. Um, great team player and um, he's showing no sign of diminishing, shall we say. Yeah, the appetite's certainly still there and he's, you know, he looks after himself as well and, and sort of enjoys that side of things. So. But I was also really impressed, Tony, by um, our midfield display, I thought. You know, there was there were some early doubters about Tom Jackson when GFC when he came to the side. GFC still didn't um, weren't performing particularly too well, and his performance against Binfield on that miserable midweek night um, at Foots Lane wasn't anything to write, write home by about. But he really has settled down well now. I thought he was excellent on Saturday. Um, a lot of confidence and time on the ball. You know, happy to take the ball off the defenders. You know not ruffled under pressure and delivering the right ball. I thought he was excellent. And Kieran Mahon, again, you know, was hustling everywhere, putting in a ma massive amount of effort. So they're a good they're, they're a good combination, those two. A good six and a good eight, which we've been lacking. Um, and I gather Tom Dodds, Thomas Dodds is likely to be back possibly this weekend. Where he'll fit in the side, I don't know, because I would have thought it'd be very... I, I wouldn't want to alter that central two at the moment so that's a bit of a positive um, quandary for Tony definitely seems like um, he's getting a good unit out at the moment and everything's sort of working together um, GFC go to Bracknell on Wednesday who are the runaway leaders um, who won fairly comfortably when they came to Foots Lane uh, but given GFC's form that could be an interesting marker uh, <laughs> having looked at the league table before no I can't see GFC getting anything out of that um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we have a few absentees for this one we may well save save a few um, for more winnable games I wonder whether Ross obviously took a couple of knocks on Saturday is it worth risking him on Wednesday I possibly wouldn't yeah, and GFC back home on Sunday against Hanwell Town. Um, this turnaround in form over the last few weeks, uh, I mean, it, it could have been quite different. When, when Callum Stanton sort of came and went in, a, in the blink of an eye, um, it, it sort of I wouldn't say threatened to be a disaster, but it, you know, that was a, a, you know, a massive sort of rug pull moment for GFC's season. But it hasn't, they sort of haven't skipped a beat since then. And Lucas Hanley, who's just 17 years old, 
has come into the um, the Guernsey FC goal. He's played all his games away so far and, and, and impressed, saving a few penalties, I think, along the way. And we got our first glimpse of him at Foots Lane on Saturday. Were you uh, impressed with, yeah, with him looked, in the flesh? Yeah, he, he looked very handy. I'm not saying he's um, Stanton's level. Stanton's a very, very accomplished goalkeeper up there with Chris Tardiff in terms of, you know, that sort of level. Um, Hanley looked pretty safe though you know he was in, in all aspects of the game he's not the biggest of lads he's not um, so but you know the fact that we've got now somebody like Jacob in the middle of that six yard box winning so much aerial ball is very very beneficial and of course um, with Will Fasakli coming back into the team where I think he is very very um, strong is defending um, set pieces it really does help having his aerial presence there as well. So, you know, we are that taking some of the pressure off the goalkeepers, um, which needed to happen because uh, we were quite small and not particularly good defending our, our goal earlier part of the season. Yeah, I'm sure Lucas is enjoying having those, uh, those taller players around him to, to help out um, dealing with the aerial balls. He is going really well at the moment, and I'm pleased to say uh, I caught up with him um, a short time ago uh, to find out just how he's enjoying his experience uh, with the Green Lions and, and first of all, uh, what he made of his first experience of Foots Lane. I mean, it was definitely different from the, the away games because the away games, the crowds are much smaller. Um, Definitely a warm welcome and um, it was nice to be playing in Guernsey after playing like the six away games we played. And obviously it was a really good performance and obviously we got the results. So can't really complain too much about it. It wasn't exactly the performance I wanted, but at the end of the day, got the results. So it was all good. Yeah, I got the clean sheet as well. What was it like walking off at the end there with um, obviously a, you know, a jubilant crowd having enjoyed that result? Uh, yeah, it was good, obviously. Um, I, I do, I've played with a... a to a crowd of a pretty similar size, but the crowd was definitely louder and obviously a lot more um, receptive to me. So, yeah, um, yeah, it was really nice actually, and obviously to get the win. Yeah, obviously for the supporters watching on GFC TV over the last few weeks, they'll have enjoyed your performances. It's been a really good run of form. Um, j- just talk us through your, your Green Lions experience so far over there, and 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 I suppose how the opportunity to to come into the the, the goalkeeping position came about. Yeah, so obviously the performances so far have been. I mean, they've been up and down. I think I've played pretty. I've played okay. Um, some better, some worse performances. But obviously, the the results have been pretty good, which is probably the more important thing. Um, in terms of how it came about, um, obviously I was at home Bay, and uh, I trained with Guernsey in around October when I came over to visit my family, um, and uh, I trained with them twice. And the boys were really receptive and um, was not was nice to be around really. Um, and then. Tony messaged me um, uh, per, like pre Callum Stanton, um, and then obviously when he left, he, he called me again and was like, "Do you want to come over?" And I was like, "It kind of fitted well with me not really playing as much at Ham Bay, and obviously now it's football every week, so it really works for me and my development. So yeah, it really works." Oh, fantastic! And you mentioned your family here. Um, you've also got pretty strong links to the island. Um, were you born in Guernsey? No, I'm born in Kent. But my both my parents were born in Guernsey and both grew up in Guernsey and lived there lived there till they're about thirty ish. So yeah, pretty and all my family still lives there, so still pretty strong links to Guernsey. I know you've sort of followed Guernsey FC before. You've you've been to games. There's a photo of you with Ross from a few years ago. Um, would you have imagined playing for the Green Lions? You know, when you were watching on uh, whenever it was. Yeah, um, I've, I've been to a couple of games. Um, I went to watch City Moon versus Guernsey and Herne Bay and Ashford versus Guernsey. I've been to quite a few games in England. And uh, 
I think it was it was unimaginable even to be playing for Home Bay this season. Um, I didn't really, obviously playing junior football and growing up, you don't really understand like the difference in level, but the, the opportunity fell on my plate and I, t- I tried to take it as well as possible and it kind of worked out and I'm kind of getting used to playing this level now. So I couldn't really imagine even playing this level, let alone even play for Guernsey. So buzzing to even be playing, really. Yeah, and what, what's been your football journey so far then? Was, was Herne Bay your first kind of senior club? Um, so last year I was playing for Glebe under-18s, which is a team like in South London. Um, and then I, w- I played a couple games for te- some adult teams, but the standard really wasn't that great. Um, and then the Herne Bay manager came to watch me play for Kent, because I played for Kent. Um, and he, he was like, do you want to come to training? And it kind of worked from there. And I played a pre-season game and probably put the best performance I've ever had, really. And he was like, do you want, do you want to come and uh, be our number two? And then kind of games came and I went on loan a couple of times this season. So I've played, I've played quite a few games this season for probably about six or seven different teams, which is a bit mad, but... Obviously, now playing every week for the same team is obviously the ideal situation. What's it going to be like for the rest of the season? Obviously, flying in for the home games, you'll meet the squad when they get to England um, uh, for the away ones. But it's, it's going to be a big commitment, I guess, for you. Yeah, obviously, we've, we've got like two games a week for the next however long. So it's, it's, it is a lot because obviously the travelling for me, it's not a short journey even to the games in England. It's like a two, two three-hour journey for most games. Um, so it's not a short one, but... It's a good commitment because I, I know I'm guaranteed football and I know I'm playing every week and the boys are really good. Um, so I, I feel like I've built quite strong relationships even with the short time I've been with them. Um, and obviously it's kind of a blessing because I get to go on holidays to go and do pretty much every week now. So I can't really complain about that side of it. Yeah, awesome. And did, did your family come out to see you on Saturday? Yeah, my mum my, um, my came over with me and then my auntie came and watched. Um, but I think the rest of them are going to come to a few games in the future. Yeah, brilliant. And, and what about your football aspirations? I mean, uh, you're obviously still very young. Uh, do you see yourself, I don't know, going further up the up the pyramid and, and, and kind of making a proper go of, of uh, football as a career? Um, it's kind of it's kind of what I'm trying to weigh up at the moment, really, because I want to I want to pursue medicine in terms of going to university. So obviously that's a massive commitment as well. So trying to play a high level of football will be challenging with that. But I want to see where it goes. If, if I can play to a high level, then I want to do it because um, I've worked hard to try and get to where I am now. So if I can play higher, I'll play higher. But we'll see where it goes. I don't really want to say how far I can go, but we'll see. Yeah, of course. And, and you know, it's still early days for you and Guernsey FC, but um, I, I know you're sort of committed up to the end of the season. I mean, is there a chance that you'll be back next season and beyond? Um, I'm not 100% sure yet. I mean, I, I've committed to the end of the season and then it depends what happens with my university. At the moment, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I've applied, but I haven't really heard back from any of them. So we'll see. Um, obviously, we we need to talk about it when it comes to the end of the season. So I'm not too sure. <laughs> Sounds like you've got quite a busy time ahead. Um, yeah. Oh, well, well, I'm, yeah, I'm sure everyone will enjoy, uh, enjoy watching you for the rest of the season at least. And uh, I know already you've had a, a few good moments, a couple of penalty saves. Is that something that you're a bit of a specialist at? Oh, I love a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, a, in the past, in different cup games, I've loved penalties and penalty shootouts. That's... I love them. I wouldn't say I'm the best of them, but I do love a penalty save. Well, is it just the kind of the head-to-head, the the sort of the, the yeah the, the the moment where you can really shine? Yeah, but there's not really much pressure on a penalty save. So you can kind of, if you save it, you're a bit of a hero. So it's the one time you really get to be be that person. 
you know, it has been a really good run of form that, that, that your, uh, your presence has coincided with. So I think we're going to put it down to you, Lucas, over the last few weeks. Uh, we've got a tough game on <laughs> Wednesday night, though, uh, at Bracknell. They're a team who came to Footslane uh, and looked pretty good, it's fair to say, and, and uh, sort of runaway leaders at the top. Um, I mean, how much are you looking forward to that test? Yeah, it will definitely be a different test. Um, I think all the teams we've played so far, I mean, we've played a, t- a couple of teams near the top, obviously, on the weekend. But I think that will be a completely different test and probably be a completely different game where I'll probably get to see a lot more of the ball. So <laughs> it'll be enjoyable for me because I'll get to see a lot more of it. But hopefully we can try and get a result. I mean, I wouldn't put it past us with the run of form we've had at the moment. Um, I think we've got we've got this the ability to try and compete with teams like that. So we'll see yeah fantastic oh well it's been uh, great to chat to you best of luck uh, on Wednesday and the rest of the season we'll uh, yeah look forward to catching up at Foots Lane in the next few weeks thank you very much Lucas Hanley there, looking forward to seeing more of him in a Guernsey FC shirt for sure. Uh, now, a couple of his young GFC squad mates missed Saturday's game, of course, as Interinsular Football made its return with the centenary junior Marathi over in Jersey on Sunday. And it was Jersey celebrating at the final whistle after they grabbed two goals late in extra time to win it. That after Ben Solway had levelled for Guernsey with 10 minutes or so of normal time to play. A bit earlier on, I caught up with Guernsey's under-18 manager, Angus Mackay, and began by asking him how he reflects on the contest yeah I think we played really well for sort of from what I can remember it was about a 20 minute period in in the first half um, but unfortunately we weren't able to score in those 20 minutes we had one very good chance which was cleared off the line um, we got into some sort of very advanced positions sort of some dangerous positions um, but we just weren't really able to create chances unfortunately um, and then I think after that, the game sort of went a bit, little bit scrappy. Um, obviously, they scored um, to make it 1-0 at half-time. And then second half, um, again, it was a bit scrappy and, and we, we equalised late on, um, which was great to force it to extra time. And then, unfortunately, just they got two late goals to, to make it 3-1. Um, so, yeah, very disappointing, but we've got to try and sort of learn from that and move on and take the positives. Yeah, it sounded like it was um, pretty tough going into extra time. I guess the conditions weren't ideal. A lot of players, um, by the sounds of it, going down with cramp as well. Was it sort of anybody's or e- either side's um, game, you know, heading into that second period of extra time? Yeah, I mean, people were getting tired. Like you said, there was a lot of cramp. Um, I'm not sure how long the ball was in play for in the um, two periods of extra time, but a lot of people were getting tired. It's quite a big pitch there. Um, so understandably, people are getting tired and they probably haven't played um, a game in extra time. Um, some of them ever, some of them definitely not for a long time. Um, so obviously their bodies weren't used to that. So yeah, there was a bit of tiredness there. So um, yeah, it was obviously difficult conditions, a bit windy. Um, so yeah, it was, um, you know, it could have gone to penalties, but like I said, unfortunately they got two late goals um, and it wasn't to be. And it looked like the Jersey side um, had a bit of a physical advantage. You look at the, them lining up at the start of the match. Um, there's some tall players in that side. I mean, how much how much a difference did that make um, in terms of the end result? Well, I think obviously they scored one. They scored two of their goals from set place, um, two headers from what I can remember. So, you know, obviously they had. Uh, we talked about that. Um, at half time, we obviously identified that they might be more of a threat from set plays than open plays. So we just said, let's try and limit the set plays. But 
you can't always do that. Um, I think one was from a corner. Maybe it was a block shot that went out. So um, obviously that gives them an advantage on set plays, but we have to try and come up with strategies to manage that in terms of limiting the set plays we give away, but also actually sort of doing what we can to, if you can't sort of, don't give any free headers, just make it difficult for them because obviously if you're up against an opponent who's much taller than you, um, there's ways you can make it difficult for them, not necessarily to win the, win the first ball, but make it difficult for them and try and win the second ball. But like I said, unfortunately, we, we weren't able to do that um, on a couple of occasions. Yeah, and, uh, and when Ben Solway got that equaliser, I think with about seven, eight minutes to go, um, w- did you have a lot of uh, optimism at that point that you guys could go on and win the match? Yeah, it was great that we got that equaliser. Obviously, it would have been nice if we could sort of use that momentum to get a, a winner in normal time. Um, because, like we've said already, you know, extra time, there wasn't a huge amount of um, football played because people were that tired. So, um, obviously, it was great to get that goal. And, yeah, it gave us a bit of a boost. But, you know, unfortunately, we weren't able to to go on and, and get a second and in terms of the occasion as a whole, obviously a disappointing result from a Guernsey perspective, but how special was it to, to take the guys over and, and yeah, be involved in a match of that significance again? Yeah, it was great. It was fantastic to be involved in um, a junior Marathi. Uh, in fact, it was fantastic to be involved in, in any Marathi, uh, any sort of inter-insular game, uh, any age group. So I was pleased that we had that opportunity. I'm sure the players were as well and all the other coaches and, and uh, travelling party from Guernsey. Um, so yeah, it was fantastic to have that. Like you said, it's not the result we wanted, but there's definitely a lot of positives we can take out of that and, and move forward um, for the rest of the interinsular games that some of those players yesterday will be involved in. Obviously, I'm involved in some of them as a coach as well. So we need to learn from that and, and move on and hopefully improve for the next one. Yeah, and I mentioned, just finally, I mentioned the occasion as a whole. Um, it sounds like there was a, a good turnout from, from Jersey's support as well. Did it feel like a, a big occasion? Um, did it, did it, w- w- yeah, was there a lot, of, uh, kind of a lot of pleasure at just seeing Guernsey and Jersey going toe-to-toe again on a football pitch? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the game and how the players played, the amount of effort and determination and commitment they gave was definitely what you would expect from a Marathi. Um, and like you said, you know, there was, um, it probably helped with the game being on a Sunday. Um, there was sort of a decent number of spectators there. So yeah, it did feel, it had that feel to it. It had that sort of rivalry and intensity to it. So um, yeah, it was nice to, it's nice to be a part of that. Um, except for obviously, like we've said before, the result didn't go away, but it was nice to get that sort of feeling again. Gus Mackay there, under 16 and under 21s uh, coming up as well, of course, on the 24th and 30th of April. So a few weeks to go for those, uh, both in Guernsey, uh, both venues, I think, still to be confirmed. Um, on to the latest Premier League action now, and there were some eye-catching results uh, this weekend. Over in Alderney, the hosts equalised very, very late on to draw 3-0 with Rovers, a great result for them. Um, North hammered Manza 8-0. It was St. Martin's three, Rangers nil as Saints carried on their title procession, their title march. And um, over in St. Peter, Bells uh, beat Sylvans 2-1, so a good result for them there. What do you make of those slate of results, Rob? Well, I'm not at all surprised about the Alderney one, really. Rovers weren't at their best uh, in terms of, they didn't have their strongest team up in Alderney. Um, 
not that it was particularly weak. Um, and I was intrigued to see old Steve Concannon came back for, I think that's probably the first time this season, come out of retirement to, um, to play and score on his home patch. I wonder if this has got something to do with the Marathi looming, that he wants one more cap. He's an ideal guy for a, a Marathi day, of course. Um, so that was a, the, the thing that caught my eye there. Um, Bell's winning 2-1 at St Peter's. Um, big result for them because they've you know they've been pretty been struggling for the last couple of months generally um and um they didn't have the greatest of sides out uh, but they had a younger team and they managed to nick it right at the death with the header from jack domar um um range um, smartins won there you know as we expected comfortably enough against rangers but who missed a penalty um that might have made a little bit of difference but i doubt it um so um yeah the the table hasn't changed much at all, really. You know, we've got um, Saints flying away at the top of the table. Um, and now we've got, the, I would have thought, you know, Bells have got a sniff of a chance of catching Sylvans in fourth place, although they are still six points adrift. I think they'll be tough for them. But uh, Sylvans have suddenly strangely started to wobble, but um, which I didn't expect, I must admit. Have you done the maths on just when Saints will clinch the title? No, I haven't, but it doesn't make much difference. Going to do it. <laughs> it's going to happen <laughs> it's sooner going or to later. Happen. Um, plenty going on this week as well. Uh, Saints got their game in hand against Velrec in midweek. And then this weekend, the return of the Jeremy and the WeeWay. Um, Bells hosting St. Clement uh, in the Jeremy. Uh, we, of course, yet to see what the new silverware will look like in that one. And um, Sylvan's heading over to, to take on St. Paul's in the WeeWay. Yeah, St Paul's, the new struggling St Paul's, of course, you know. Um, yeah, and the, the, the St Paul's who can't play in the Jeremy because they're debarred. And as I say, once the competition um, resumes, um, still no news on the trophy. I expect that we've never seen, we'll never see the old thing again, which is a great, great shame. But I shall be intrigued to see what its replacement looks like. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a, a good game. Um, St Clement are one of the teams vying for the um, jersey title. and They've never won it before. Um, Bells will be, you know, um, cock a hoop really. I'm winning at St Peter's the other day. But um, worrying signs for Bells. I noticed on Sunday morning I was out at um, Imperial Way watching the 10-mile road race. And Dave Merris, the excellent um, veteran um, Bell's defender took part in that unfortunately he he had to have a long walk towards the finish and he apparently um, I think tweaked a hamstring during the race he, he put down to probably um, the football the day before at St Peter's so he must be a doubt for this weekend which will be a big loss to them because he provides a very very settling influence on them oh, we're looking forward to seeing these uh, these competitions return after a couple of years away yeah it's great you know we, you know, in recent years, let's face it. To be honest, we've we've struggled both the WeeWay and the Jeremy. It's a long, long time since we've, you know, dominated that competition when it's a true inter-island competition. Of course, you know, Saints won it last year, but that was purely a Guernsey event. Um, yeah, be, you know, it'd be good to see some Guernsey names on those trophies um, in the next couple of years, um, and hopefully, well, I don't wish bad things on Jersey football. Because they, you know, they earn, you know, they've earned what they've got. Um, they've earned their trophies over the recent years, and I think, in, you know, in general terms, you know, they're a bigger island than us. They've got more, big, bigger depth of players. Um, but it would be good to think that we, you know, we, our champions or our leading sides, can actually put one over their better teams from time to time. 
because it's the jersey domination has been pretty uh, sickening over the last decade absolutely um a couple of games in the prio as well saints go up to alderney as the, the only place they lost last season so uh yeah, they'll be wanting some revenge there i'm sure and hoping not to get stuck this time um manza hosts felrec and it's rovers north um in the other prio league game this weekend as i say gfc away on wednesday night back home on sunday i must just mention before we finish a couple of goals for our, our stars over in england mayor letitia and alex scott both on the score sheet the weekend and mayor after it took her goal sweetly. Yeah, it um, was. She got took it on the half volley. Yeah, it was an excellent finish. And a good win for her player of the match performance as they beat Aston Villa. Um, not such a good result in terms of the match for um, for Bristol City. Uh, Alex Scott getting the goal as they uh, lost 2 1. Um, difficult spell there for sure. Um, be interesting to see what happens to Nigel Pearson before the end of the season. Out. <laughs> 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 no, I, you know, fine. I'm just only joking here, to be honest, but the, the, the recent record is not good. Um, um, I'm not sure how much of hiring and firing manager Stephen Lansdowne is, um, but he, I would have thought with the form that Bristol City are in at the moment, uh, I think uh, Mr Pearson would probably be testing um, Mr Lansdowne's patience somewhat. Well, let's leave it there, Rob. Great to catch up. Uh, plenty going on at the moment and plenty to look forward to. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Yeah, cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.